The car you drive every day should be fun. But it has to do the boring stuff too, like commute, be affordable, and haul your groceries. You can have both, and we'll help you find it. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is the Everyday Driver Car Debate. The big problem with doing these debates, you realize, is that inadvertently, okay. as I start to shop for other people, I get <laughs> sidetracked. Yeah. We've mentioned it yeah, before, yeah, yeah. and here I am again, <laughs> wandering over here where I shouldn't be on the internet going, mm -hmm. huh, now if I take this amount of money mm -hmm. and I sell that yeah. and I combine yeah, yeah. it with this, what would that look like in the garage? Huh. Mm -hmm. Hmm. And then, yeah, it just – it leads to – bad thought process. Oh yeah. Well, I have that I have that same problem. It's funny you bring that up because the amount of time that I spend digging around online when we prep for these car debates and I invariably come up against a car where I'm like, "Why don't I get into that next?" I hadn't <laughs> thought of it, but that would be a great choice for and then I have to shake that off. I mean, I, it, and it's happening twice a week. I totally agree with you. I mean, this is the disease and the disease is is seriously seriously uh hardcore <laughs> and possibly fatal at this point. But yeah, I hear you. <laughs> Well, I uh, I did that, and then I had the opportunity, despite winter here in Utah, I got Baby out for some exercise today. Oh, did and you? promptly reminded of how amazingly good this car is. It's It just amazed me again, and I was a bit concerned. We've had a break in the winter mm -hmm. storms here, mm -hmm. and yeah. even though it's you know, 15, 20 degrees outside, it's cold, the roads are dry. They're not sloppy with you yeah. know, moisture yeah. and... They put the salt stuff on the roads and everything, but it's at least dry and cold. And I thought, yeah. all right, do probably okay with the tires since I don't have winter tires on it. You know, yeah. practice what I preach, right? But, you know, that's why <laughs> yeah, she lives yeah, in the you're, garage. You're, you're not, but, yeah, I take your point. <laughs> not, because 20-inch, you know, <laughs> Blizzak tires for that car. Could be You'd really have to expensive. get other wheels. You'd have to do I, 18s. I would, yeah. and, anyway, keep going. Yeah, yeah so I, I – Got her off my tire cradles, off my race ramp Stop. tire cradles. Stop. <laughs> Rolled her out into oh. the sunlight, and I just – I miss this car. I haven't been it for a yeah. month and a half. Yeah, And yeah, yeah. just floored again, and, I, and all those thoughts vanished, at least for today. <laughs> but, man, I, I'm just amazed and thankful that I own it. It's just – it's something else. It really is just so planted, and I, I went fast. I went fast. I didn't mean to. I thought – I looked down. I was like – well, but, 88 miles an hour, 94, huh? Yeah. Oh well. <laughs> but that's that. But that's that car. That's that car. I, I yeah. I've said, well, I said it to you when we drove it versus the M2. It is one of those cars that below. I, and this is going to sound insane, but below about 100 or 120, it doesn't feel fast. It's it's you're moving, <laughs> but it's not like it's not like I'm trying to go quickly. And, and no, the I'm trying trying to go quickly. That like awareness in the back of your brain hits at about 100. Maybe 120. Yeah. Prior to yeah, that, it's just then. cruising along. That's when you well, first get an awareness. I might might be going quickly in this car. That that is one of the nuttiest things about your GTS by far, which is I, just a you know you're having that first world problem. Can I tell you my first world problem for, of the day? There is really, I, I I will admit what I'm about to say is a total wah wah moment. I mean honestly, but <laughs> okay. I just yeah, there there really I I don't think there is another more spoiled sporting activity for a family to do than snow skiing it's just it's <laughs> it's wickedly expensive yeah, it is it is the family activity for the people that are doing just fine thank you okay yeah so the the fact that <laughs> ran I, into I that even, again today did you <laughs> the fact that i even get to, to to live in park city and go skiing puts me into an, an unbelievably blessed category and i just i i am kind of boggled that that is even my life what was sad today is I just had one of those days, and all of you listening that are a parent are going to know this. I had one of those days. I can't point to any one thing, but it was just hard to be a parent today. Hmm. And we were on the ski mountain, which can be awesome with with my son. It can be great. But my wife and I were skiing with my son today, and it was just one of those days where I was like, I am spending an inordinate amount of money and having a terrible time. And I, I hate to say that. It sounds so staggeringly spoiled to say it. But I just realized... I'm not having a good parenting day, and I'm not being a good parent today. I mean, my, my, my kid did everything he could, honestly. He wasn't a bad kid today. <laughs> I just wasn't feeling it. And I, and I got home, and I just felt so, candidly, terribly spoiled myself. I was like, mm. I'm the seven-year-old in this equation, honestly. Mm. We went skiing today, and I came home all, yeah, wasn't any fun. Really? 
really? Come on, Todd. So I'm, so I'm trying to bounce back into the fact that I'm ridiculous and my son is not. But yeah, so hopefully some of you out there can relate to the fact that you just have those days where it's just like, I don't, I don't want to be a parent today and I'm doing a bad job. That was my day today. So I got to shake it off, talk about cars. But, well, uh, no worries. You had, a, no you had worries. a good day. You had a very good day. Out in the, I did have a good day. In the sunshine, that's pretty cool. The sunshine did wonders for my emotional outlook, too. It was just like, ah, not that I don't, you know, don't love the snowstorms and all that, but sure. it's been a lot lately, and it just was like, ah, oh, yeah, sunshine, get the car out. Yeah. It did great. It was so planted. It just impresses me <laughs> over and over again. And I'm just, yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. But no worries on your day. You know we'll what? talk about cars. We'll but you know what? You're you speaking up. to that thing. You're speaking to that thing that we are all about with this show, though. You're driving a car that, look, I mean, your GTS is a special car, period. But talk about my FRS. Talk about somebody that bought whatever. We We want you to be in a car that the more you drive it, the more you're like, I'm so glad I own this thing. I mean, that's <laughs> yeah, just, yeah. that's that's what we're really wanting. And so I, you have that with your GTS, which is awesome. But I, you know, I've been talking to you about, what do I do with the FRS? Because I'm having that conundrum that you and I have talked about before where I'm just sitting here going, I really like it. I don't feel like I'm done with it. But yet we're getting up toward mm. having it two years and going, so what now? Because kind of for the purposes of the show, we feel like we should have a different long term. But you and yeah. I were talking the other night about the fact that I'm just like, I don't really want to get rid of the FRS. I feel like I'm, I'm really not done with it yet. But, well, we've bounced around uh, some hmm, ideas yeah. already. We have. You know. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah. But we do have that cool tuning piece coming up later this week. You're listening to this on Tuesday. A couple days from now, you'll hear, you'll see that cool tuning piece, the FRS versus a uh, – so tuned now. It's got a tune on it from Open Flash Tablet Guys. And then that's going to be versus a supercharged one. That's a really interesting compare that honestly – I can say this very candidly. It did not go where I expected. So I'm very excited to share it. Cool, cool. Yeah, I've seen uh, part of the rough cut already. But, uh, yeah, excited to share it with all of you too because we were – it's something we haven't gone too deep into at this mm-hmm, point mm-hmm. in the show, and it's fun to just start lightly. We're just, you know, toe in the pool, yeah. just, you know, starting lightly, and uh, it's fun to just start feeling that uh, the benefits of tuning already and the differences, too. We started with engine swaps. You know, we, yeah, exactly. We just started with engine swaps. We just <laughs> pulled two cars next to each other and did just brain transplants. It's perfect. Or heart transplants. It's perfect. That's, 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 uh, we'll do that in a weekend. That's very much exactly. us. Exactly. Yeah, uh-huh. Yeah, exactly. Well, we've got a couple of debates here for uh, a couple of tall guys here that are, uh, let's see, we've got Mac in uh, South Carolina. He's a recent Clemson graduate. Congratulations. And uh, you know we're going to tease you because Mac works at a Michelin tire plant mm-hmm. in Spartanburg, South Carolina. Yep. Um, Mac, anybody there you know that would like to sponsor <laughs> Everyday Driver with Michelin tires yeah, because exactly. we love them? We want to go through them. If you have extra super sports, lay it around. We give you our sizes. I mean, we're happy. Yeah, exactly. Uh, We're happy to take tire donations. That's that's a great point. And the other car debate that we're dealing with is for Corey. But Corey's actually asking on behalf of his boss, which makes this a little weirder. But his boss is also six foot six, so it's just like tall guys buying fun cars. And we, I mean, we're (laughs) we're tall at six three, but at six six, you're getting into whole other problems. And then, of course, look, I have to be the weird guy. You and I fit in cars differently because I have a apparently freakishly long torso. So I seem taller than you, even though I'm not. Uh, but, uh, you know, that's the other thing about it. If you're 6'6", six, are you 6'6 six, six with a lot of legs? Are you 6'6 six, six with a lot of torso? I mean, there's a lot of body shape thing going on. But 6'6 six, six is starting to get to that place where cars aren't made for you, just period. So it'll be interesting <laughs> to talk about these. Yeah, well, I mean, we're not getting into, you know, pro basketball player territory quite yet. But I thought that was really notable. I mean, we've had... People yeah. writing in, shopping for their mom, their brother, their dad, every sibling, Spouse, their friend, whatever. Yeah. Yeah, 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 you name it. But for your boss, and Corey, I will say I love that we are included as part of your car search because Corey's boss turned to yeah. him and said, said, you're into cars. What mm-hmm, should I get? Mm-hmm. Here's what I have. Here's my budget. Go. And Corey thought to include us, so we're excited to tackle yeah, that's that very as cool. well. That's very it's going to cool, be a lot yeah. of fun. Uh, super quick before we dive in, though, I'd like to ask you, the listening audience, I'm just curious, after poking around on the internet today, mm-hmm. what kind of motorsports are y'all into? And I don't say that to, you know, guide you towards NASCAR or anything like that. <laughs> I noticed you, you just randomly <laughs> threw in the y'all there, which is not really a, your, in your vernacular, but keep it, going. It really isn't. But it, it just, it's all-encompassing. Every mm-hmm. one of you, what are you into? You know, write to us and mm-hmm. let us know. I'm, I'm just kind of curious. 
not for any particular reason at all. I, I, uh, I say that because I'm into Formula One. I like uh, 24 Hours of Le Mans. We love Le Mans racing. We love endurance racing. Uh, of course, rally, all kinds of stuff, mm -hmm. but at varying mm -hmm. degrees. NASCAR isn't high on my list, to be honest. And True. I just, I'm curious. You know, my standard Texas Southern joke, having grown up in Texas, that, you know, y'all, which is, of course, a contraction of you all, which sounds plural. However, there is a plural of y'all, which is all y'all. <laughs> I, 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 it boggles me. I'm not me. sure how that's possible. I, it, it, there is the plural of y'all is all y'all. Even though y'all sounds plural, no, it's not. Not, not yet, because all y'all is even more of you. <laughs> okay. Anyway, uh, yeah, let's uh, – yeah, okay. Let's try to move on. Let's talk about Max's situation here. He, uh, he has a 30-mile a commute, and uh, with some help from his dad as a college graduation present, he put some money in. His dad put some money, and he got himself a 2014 Focus ST that he's doing this commute in. Uh, so he's enjoying that car, and he has as his kind of fun project car a <laughs> – lifted and ready for anything. It sounds like it's ready for the zombie apocalypse. He's got a completely tuned out uh, Wagoneer that is ready to do anything crazy off-road, backwoods he can ever think of. So he has that. And his, his thinking these days is, okay, my commute is fine in the Focus ST, but it's a straight shot. It's like an arrow shot. There are no corners on his commute. It's just get on the freeway, go. He kind of feels like he's not getting what's fun about the ST, so he's wondering, okay, I'll keep the Wagoneer for the bang around. I, th I kind of think I need something different for this commute, but still fun. That's where we start to go with Mac. Well, as I mentioned, Mac is in South Carolina, the land of sweet tea, and I ordered tea at a restaurant once when I was there, Mac, and uh, almost spit it halfway across the room because it was <laughs> so sweet. I couldn't believe it. And I asked for unsweetened tea, and they looked at me like I had a third ear growing out of my forehead. I mean, <laughs> they, they said, well, I, I'm not sure if we carry that even. I'll have to dig around in the back, and it, yeah, I'm sure it was some sort of cobbled together. <laughs> I don't even know what it was. I just thought, you know what? Water's good. We'll just stick with water. But uh, <laughs> anyway, that's, that's my memories of South Carolina. <laughs> that reminds me. It doesn't relate to South Carolina at all, but it reminds me of ordering funny things in a restaurant. You know, I, I lived in England for part of my growing up years, and when we were there, it, part of it was the 1970s. And the 1970s in England uh, wasn't – I mean, now, if you, go, if you go overseas now, I mean, honestly, anywhere in the Western world, you go to anywhere in Europe, you go here to the U.S., Canada, because of the Internet, it's all kind of one global culture to some degree now. In the 70s in, in Europe, it, in England, it was not that way. And I remember my parents coming from the south – would go into restaurants. They have a specific memory of going into one restaurant in London once, and they ordered a soda, and the soda came with no ice. I mean, like, no ice. Soda. <laughs> Room temperature, no ice. So my father asked for ice and kind of had to explain to the waiter, I'd like ice in the drink to make it cold. They brought it back with a cube of ice. You're serious. A single cube <laughs> of ice. Now, if you've oh ever, if you've ever been to the South, when they put ice in a drink, it's mostly ice. Okay, there's <laughs> there's there's beverage in there, but it's pretty much just bring me cup of ice that kind of like almost treat it like a like a like a snow cone. It, it's got a flavor on the ice. <laughs> Drizzle a little tea on the top exactly. of the ice. So when the uh, when the drink came back with one ice cube in it, my parents just decided their conclusion here was they were just going to laugh that off and move on. Because if, if we had that much of a discussion to get one ice cube, how much work is it going to take to get a glass full? But anyway. Of course we're teasing you, Mac. But, you know, it, it always uh, – it's a little funny, you have to admit. Uh, but uh, back to your debate here. He has – Ratcheted up the Paul limiter to $23,000 <laughs> if he adds yeah. some money to that, sells the Focus. He had written us about a month ago and mentioned the Wagoneer is staying, that 87 grand Wagoneer that's the project car. Yeah. And uh, it's got the big mud terrains on it. So that's staying. The Focus ST is going. And the part of your email that I almost laughed out loud is the fact that you're 24 and you love mm -hmm. loud cars that do great burnouts. And you work for a tire company. I mean, is there <laughs> is there any better story than that? Really? Yeah. I, I yeah, just yeah. I snickered and giggled and thought that was pretty funny because hopefully you're in tire testing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you've already given us some choices here that are definitely among the best burnout cars possible. To be honest, yeah. I'm not sure if you need all wheel drive or not. I I 
guess not. I mean, maybe it snows sometimes. Certainly not like it does in the Rockies or uh, or the northern states. But yeah, yeah. I'm just wondering. You've got the WRX on here. You've got, uh, of course, Mustang GTs, Camaros, Corvettes, and any BMW station wagon, which is such an mm-hmm. oddity. I agree. It's, it's, it's definitely so the oddball funny. on this, this is on list. The list. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree. Oh man. It's, I mean, we we don't. Unfortunately, we don't get the hot wagons generally. I mean, you know, you like the M5 wagon and the M3 wagon are cars we end up lusting after. You've talked about you'd be really intrigued to have an old BMW wagon, kind of turn it into a sleeper, so almost turn it into an M car. The the problem is almost going to be just the fight to get one. I mean, the ones that I can think of, I've even seen the most of was there was that 90s, and it was great looking, that 90s 5 Series wagon era. I feel like that's the one BMW wagon in the U.S. I've seen a decent number of, but they're still hard to find. So the struggle mm-hmm. for you there, and I agree with you, Paul, it's the complete oddball on this list. The struggle for you there is just finding a good, clean one and then going, now what do I do? You know, because right, we, right. we just don't get the cool ones. Right. Uh, okay, so what else? You're wanting to start doing some track days. Bravo. Mm-hmm. Good on you. Mm-hmm. Autocross yep. events as well. And we do understand you're hesi- hesitant to do them in the focus for the particular reason that your dad kind of helped you get into this car and you feel like it might be a, a slight against him, I suppose, by, you know, it's it's definitely some abuse on track days, that kind of thing. Yeah. And, uh, and we understand. But if it were your car... I think it's the brand new warranty problem is part of what it is. It's like, I have a brand new car. Dad helped me buy it. It's under warranty. I'm going to go hoon it. I think that feels yeah, different yeah. to Mac than if I bought an older car. Stuff's going to break. I went and tracked it. Stuff broke. I think that feels different. There's five good ones on here that start a lot of conversation. I mean, Mustang GTs because you just you decided you're a Mustang guy. Then you include Camaros because you go, I don't like Camaros, but I know they're, a, they're the obvious counterpoint to the Mustang, and people talk about them being great, so I want to put them on here. Uh, C5 Corvette, BMW station wagons. Again, that's the oddball on the WRX. Uh, this got my brain going. I landed on a couple. Um, I want to kind of run through your list real quick and say yay or nay. Um, I I have to throw out the Camaro. I I, I hate to say it, but because the problem with the Camaro <laughs> is this is not a tall person car. That's the biggest problem with it. Now, I'm sure. I mean, every car out there has tall man mods. You can look them up. A lot of them are essentially you're lowering your seat rails. Some have got the you take you do the seatectomy or whatever they call it. You take some of the material out of the seat, make the seat lower, put a different seat in. <laughs> Seriously, I mean, that, that's actually the term on Miata forums is do the seatectomy. I mean, it's ridiculous. Oh, that's funny. But, so there are tall man mods. I mean, I don't, you remember this, Paul. The, the red pristine 95 NSX we drove for the show a while back. The guy that drove that was 6'5". Right. And he'd that's lowered right. the seat. You know, so I mean, dig into a forum of whatever car you're serious about. There are probably tall man modifications to drop or change the seat rails and and make things different. But the problem is the Camaro. For me personally, at six three, when I drive a Camaro, my head is touching the roof. I drive a Camaro with a helmet on, which I've done. I have to lean my head to the side, which is not how you want to drive on a track. So I, I'm sure there are modifications there. But since that's how it comes stock, is that cramped? I think the Camaro is just out. Yeah, I'm with you as well. I, I, I see why it's on there, but I, I do. I'm with you. It just, it's, uh, yeah, mail slot kind of windows. The proportions look great. The styling mm-hmm. looks great. But for you, Mac, I just don't think it's there. But this Corvette idea, the C5 mm-hmm. Corvette Z06, we love them too. We're yeah. flabbergasted yeah. that prices have plummeted so far. And I, I love that. You know, you're wondering, why are they so cheap? I mean, is it tacky to say the guy who probably bought it knew he might have died and his wife traded it in on a Malibu or something? Because <laughs> oh, no. everyone I went through, I, I went through the entire list, and they're all, hey, one owner, one owner, 32,000 miles, one owner, 10,000 yeah. miles. Yeah, yeah. Lightly driven. I'm like, yeah, they were driven at 60 miles an hour in the third lane, never tracked. <laughs> they were babied, lived in the garage most of the time. Hey, everyone, well, you can get a deal on this Z06 now. And I, I am all for this car. For you, mm-hmm. I think it'll fit great. I think they look good, especially the Z06. I mean, the extra everything on that car really yeah. transforms it. I'm I'm all about this car. I like your Mustang. I like the Camaros. But everything else, the, the Z06, the C5 Z06 stood out to me. Mm-hmm. But I, w- I wondered, could you go C6? 2007 Corvettes are about 22,000. 
with okay. you know about fifty thousand miles. The problem is they're not the Z06 trim package true, that the C5 true. has. But yeah. I just wanted to put that out there for you know purposes of, of comparison. The C6 you can get into for that same amount of money, but of course it won't be the Z06. Yeah, it's it's a, that's a good alt. I mean, one his concern. There's a couple of things that happened when I was reading this email. I mean, one of the things that's that's vital here is it has to be a manual transmission. Bravo to you there. But I mean, since you're going to do this aero straight drive in this car, you want something that when you are driving aero straight feels like it's got some presence, some personality, and some power. Well, these are not things that necessarily are what the ST does in a straight line, which is the problem with it. But then because it may have to do double duty of track duty, that makes it have to be a lot more robust and be able to actually turn. This is the yeah. interesting thing about this, yeah. this uh, C5 Z06. What's interesting is when I first read this email, Mac, I just read C5 Corvette. I didn't read Z06. And then I instantly mm. went, C5 Corvette? Well, you have to get a Z06. And then I reread your email and went, oh, good, you're already thinking that. Because I think that is the sweet spot of that generation. And they are crazy cheap. Now, unfortunately, that Z06 has a tiny little trunk in the back. If you jump to the C6, it now gets the huge you know, bubble back hatch that you talked about. You're concerned about being able to transport stuff. You could transport – uh, hey, I'll pick up the, the hauling moose parts from last uh, podcast. You could track – I mean, uh, pack and – send more stuff than you could ever think possible in the back of a C6 Corvette or a C7. The hatch on that is huge. We had a C6, uh, the big one, the ZR1. We packed all of our production gear in the back with room left over. Yeah, so if, if, if enormous. That may be one of the nice things. If you're really concerned about the, the usable space of the C5 Z06, which I think is a great car for you. I'm glad you're thinking that, but I think the C the C6 solves the problem by having a lot more space in the, in the back and a little bit improved interior. Yeah, it does. I'm also going to throw out a suggestion, Mac, for a 10 year old Pontiac GTO with that 400 horsepower LS2 sure. motor in it. Yeah, those are surprisingly inexpensive. I mean, mm -hmm. decent mm -hmm. ones are 10 to 12 grand. Really nice yeah. ones are 15. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if that appeals to you quite as much. But even from a size consideration, you might consider that. And, of course, that has plenty of space for everything in the trunk because it is you know, more of a coupe shape, a real mm -hmm. trunk on that car. Again, I don't know if that appeals. I just thought I'd put that in there just for, for purposes of comparison. Well, I'm just wondering if you'd like No, that. I think that's, that's excellent. I'm glad you brought that up because I think it's a, lot, it's a lot more of a dynamic handling car than like a Challenger, which works here too. But I think yeah. the, the GTO is, is a better car dynamically than the Challenger is. But you still have that big, rumbling LS motor, 400 horsepower, six speed. It's not kidding around, okay? That's got real power and genuine space. You even have a 2 plus 2 body structure there. That's a very usable variation. I mean, it's, it's, it's almost like it does everything you want the Camaro to do, but it's going to be more usable for you. So I love that you brought that up as an alt. Yeah, yeah. And, of course, you know, don't buy the Mustang if you're into burnouts because you will take it to a car show and you will crash it. <laughs> sort of like, you know, did you yeah. buy the iPhone? You will drop your iPhone. If you're curious, if you bought the yeah. iPhone, yes, you're going to drop the iPhone. So if you bought the Mustang and you'll just <laughs> – You'll wind up sideways at a crowd of people. That's <laughs> you'll terrible. You'll have the urge to it's do a terrible. burnout and you will crash it and you will end up on YouTube. So That's that just awful. seems to be the uh, the trend with Mustangs these days. I, That's awful. I mean <laughs> I hate to say I, it. I like this. I like this WRX recommendation because you're kind of thinking about it blends your worlds. It may be fun enough on the straight roads, and it may also do some of the stuff that your Wagoneer would do, some of the lighter stuff of that. But I honestly say, you know what? Let the Wagoneer be the bang around car. Get something much more focused uh, for track yeah. use. Sorry about the focus pun there because that's what you're getting rid of. But but I'm thinking, you know, this rear wheel drive stuff is great that you can really have fun with. And you kind of want something that feels a little GT car when you take it to work, but then happens to be dynamic enough to do the track stuff. And that's where that GTO is fun. The VET is fun. The Mustang works. I have a wild card, though. Oh, you do? That Great. struck me was we were talking about this. And that is, okay. and, and I want you to speak to it as far as space, the Porsche 928. With this amount of budget, sure. you, can get, you, you have options. Now, look, this is an older car, obviously. But he's... He's talking about willing to work on it himself. You can get stuff for them. It's got that nice V8. It's a great GT car. But yet, I wouldn't apologize to take one of those and track it. I mean, I know your, your thing when you had one is it just it required, because it was an old car, it required stuff consistently. 
but I don't feel like you had a money pit car. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I would also think that's got enough space for Mac. It does. I love the idea. I was actually snooping around 928 GTSs earlier, and uh, <clears throat> yes, it, it's. I, I love the shape. I would love mm-hmm. it if Porsche came out with a 929, yeah. kept everything going, and we talked about that, I think, on the last, last podcast. But, you know, who's buying these big GT cars? Corvette is a mainstay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, would would it appeal to the market? I just don't know. I love the 928 idea. Yes, space would be great. I just feel because it is an older car, Mac's going to run into some more, some more maintenance issues. I did have to sell it because it needed engine mounts. And apparently sure. Ford truck engine mounts fit that 928 and people are doing it for cheaper. The Interesting. Porsche OEM engine mounts for that car are $2,000. Oh. I nearly had a heart attack. And, you know, of course, you're looking for different solutions. But the thing that yeah. bugs me yeah, is yeah. it can be done, but it's not OEM parts. And when you start to go too far and it starts to really drift away from genuine parts, it just it bugs me. And... <laughs> so that's why I, I – uh, I mean, wait, a, a Chevy uh, wait, V8 I – have, I, have, I have to stop you. You're, you're concerned about the number of non-Porsche parts on your Porsche while you wear your Porsche pants. I, I get it. I understand. You, you're, that, that, that would bother Stents, you more than it may bother others. I get that. Extends yes. to clothing and cologne and mm-hmm. watches, yeah. okay. pants. So, yeah, we're certainly not putting Ford truck uh, engine mounts in, in your Porsche 928. But the fact that it Scars. can be done – Cheaper, Pads. I get it. Scarves. Oh, you've got to be kidding me. Oh, okay. All right. No, but I, I, th- I think that nine twenty eight is an interesting car that could fit everything you're looking for, Mac. And you can and you can get in one. I mean, there's good ones available for the high teens. You know, high teens to twenty grand. Okay, you've got you've got twenty three grand available. You've got money set aside to do stuff to it. I found one online that was like. 18, 19 grand, and they'd just done pretty much every major service thing. They'd just finished doing it, and it was in Scottsdale, which means the car's pristine. Made me go, do, do I want a 928? And then I went, no, 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 I don't. <laughs> but but I, I really think it's a genuine option here, so I think you should look at it. In a bit more serious news, everyone, Mac is selling his 2014 Focus ST. <laughs> he thinks he can get between sixteen dollars and $17,000. And kind of serious, if you're looking for an ST, it's only got 27,000 miles on it, and I bet you he'd be happy to sell it to another listener of the podcast. So let us know. Write to us if you're looking for that car, and uh, we'll send you his email address, and you two can take it from there. And, and also, clearly, I, I mean, as you've heard the story, this has got straight-line commute miles. This is not a hooned car. So, yeah, if you're yep. looking for an ST and you are gonna and you want to take it and hoon it, the, this is the one to get. I think that's great. I'm still pushing for that story. If, if that <laughs> I know happens, you are. <laughs> I'm just going to do handsprings down the hall. I really yeah. am. <laughs> you're just going to take a week off for the podcast be like, but Chance is with us this week because Paul's just celebrating. So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But um, – <laughs> We should move on to Corey, who's writing in from uh, from Columbus, and he's writing in on behalf of his boss, which I find really interesting. Like you said before, we haven't had that combination before. His boss is the tall guy in this equation. Corey doesn't tell us how tall he is, but his boss is also 6'6", just like Mac is. Uh, and his boss has, has a couple interesting scenarios coming into this. First off, he's replacing two cars. He has about a hundred grand to work with to replace two cars. Okay, good money. He's come to Corey to ask, what should I get? But his current garage is that thing that I just kind of scratch my head about when I see it. <laughs> you know, I just... You were going to say despise. You were going to say you despise it. Well, I, I kind of do. I kind of... I, I do because I, cars, as we talked about before, it's that one thing where you can have variety all the time in your life. And so what I don't understand is when two of the exact same cars show up in a garage. I don't get it. I realize at some point what happened is I really like this car. I should just get another one. I know what I'm in for. I see I see the progression. I just feel like you miss out on opportunities. Corey's boss has a 2013 Mercedes-Benz E30, E350 sedan and a 2011 Mercedes-Benz E350 convertible. So guess what? <laughs> we have E-classes in the garage. Um, yeah. I uh, I hope you share this podcast. I, I hope you can convince your busy boss to at least listen to this portion of it, Corey. And I hope you guys have a laugh too, because this <laughs> is um, 
this is fun. I, I've never encountered this. Again, Corey's boss is six foot six as well. He's all Mercedes all the time, and Corey's yep. inclination is to get him away from the Mercedes as well. He is apparently desperately begging him to buy an M2. And uh, <laughs> I will say, Corey, since you're out in the Columbus, Ohio area, Enthusiast Auto Group is in Cincinnati, and they've got a boatload of M2s for sale on their website. This is wow. one of my go-to BMW websites here for uh, for anything M3. They've got loads of them, beautiful cars. He could have one right now, so you know, just to mm-hmm. help you with your ammunition there. And I like what you're thinking. As Todd mentioned, a hundred grand for for two cars, okay. And initially, Corey's thinking Audi S6 or S7 to replace the sedan, mm-hmm. and something different over here, like an M3 convertible, something like that. Okay, that's a start. Kudos, I like that. But I'm gonna blow your boss's head out the back of his brains, out the back of his. Wait, you, what? you didn't really land that, but I'm with you. I, I didn't think land we're, all, we're all following, but you did not land I, the plane. I'm gonna well. shock going. him. Yeah, he, okay. He's gonna. He, I hope he likes my idea because you mentioned he wasn't that into cars, kind of, but not quite there. And Corey, it's our job, the three of us, to push him over that cliff. If he opened the door <laughs> it, to ask you, it is a cliff. It, you, there will be much <laughs> falling. Yeah, you'll you'll be right over the cliff, and you'll never get back. Yeah, keep going. <laughs> All right, so I'm calling two cars and two cars only. Oh, you're calling your shot. I'm impre- I did not do that. I'm giving a list of things that should be driven. So I'm excited that you're calling your shot. You want me I to like go? The you want to You you want to you want to do you want to wait? Do you want to hold your sniper shot? Do you want to call it right now? I'm itching to call it. I'm do really it. ready. All right, do it. Let's go. Here we go. So the car guy part of him that's going to Wake that beast, and I, I feel like he needs a V8. <laughs> okay. right. He needs a V8 right. convertible in his life. Okay. And I was thinking, <clears throat> the British are a large sort of people, somewhat speaking. You know, they do are? we know anybody who's British, who's six foot five and hosts a pokey motoring show on Amazon Prime? There is we, that guy. There is do that we know guy. Anybody? That's true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Keep going. I think. Well, not to you know steer it that direction too much, but. How about a 2014 Jaguar F-Type V8 convertible? You hmm. want a car that's going to just – you want the convertible to hear the beautiful yeah. V8. Yeah, You're yeah, going to yeah. want that car. It's a convertible. It's absolutely gorgeous. Just looking at it, if that doesn't yeah. turn you into a car person, I'm not sure what will. I mean we yeah. talk about the yeah. E-Type from the 60s that you love. If you're looking at these cars and just not appreciating surface development, well, then I don't know what to say. But – Jaguar, the F-Type yeah. V8 convertible. Wow. That's the – I just want to mash my foot to the floor. It's fast. It's beautiful, <laughs> comfortable. He will probably fit just fine. And used – I found one on the site you recommended here. This is okay. the Toy Barn in All right. Columbus. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was my problem, Corey, because I drifted off looking at 911s. But uh, <laughs> I, I found one for $62,000. Okay. Okay. That's a lot right. of money out of that hundred grand budget. It is. It is. Yeah. But I. But I like that idea. I do like that idea, though. I hadn't gone there, but F-type convertible, dynamically great, great looking, does everything his E-class convertible has done and more. I think that's a great one. Keep going. Yeah. So then I think thirty-eight thousand left over. <clears throat> what do we do with that? We've solved the V8 problem, the, okay. you know, yeah. let's drink gasoline, yeah. the convertible problem, and it's beautiful. We've solved all that with 62 Definitely. grand. Definitely, yeah. Now's the time in his life when he needs to go lease a Tesla Model S. He hmm. needs to save that money, go invest it, put some of it down on a lease, and go lease this technology. Because if you weren't aware, Tesla is keeping up with the times here. There's okay. 75D. The EPA range is 259 miles on the 75. Sure. The 90 yeah. kilowatt motor gets up to 294, and the P100 yeah. is now cracking 315 miles range. EPA. So what's estimated. the lease? What's the lease on those? A 75D rear-wheel drive is uh-huh. $824 a month. Okay. All right. All the right. all-wheel drive. If you feel like you need the all-wheel drive. Is right about nine hundred. They say estimated lease maybe nine seventy somewhere in there. But okay, you're leasing some brand new technology, and I think 
that if you go to the Tesla showroom together and you get him giggling, what is humor <laughs> directly attached to? Your bank account. <laughs> the wallet. Right? Well, but, but you know what? Even if the thing, the thing you're doing, we talked about when we first drove that Model S, though, because the guy that, that bought it had bought it and calculated out what his gas cost had been in the 10 years of owning his SUV prior. I mean, yes. obviously the E-Class isn't going to drink gas like a big SUV, but... Yeah, if if the monthly payment of that lease is higher than he would hope, he is going to take gasoline costs out of the equation. That's an int- I hadn't gone there. You could Correct. go to superb, superb sniper shots. Well done. Correct. Well, thank you. I I I'm really hot about this Tesla because these two cars are kind of dynamically opposite. And yeah, the which Tesla is, great. is mm-hmm. you can just always rely on it. It's it, I think it'll be a conundrum. I think he'll have trouble deciding, especially mm. in the summer. Which one do I take to work? And <laughs> I think he, he's going to start volunteering to take you to lunch more because then he'll get to drive. He'll probably let you drive it. He might even give you a raise and a performance bonus. He, he might change <laughs> no your title. Pressure. No pressure I mean, if the boss is listening. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. Corey may have set himself up for either success or disaster by listening to this podcast. Let's be honest. Yeah. I'm, I'm just thinking that he would really – kind of get into this, you know, it, it would offer the tech part of this equation. And as it's my understanding that there are quite a few Teslas in Ohio, as a matter of fact. There's mm-hmm. a lot of big companies with a lot of executives who are into them. Of course, Corning Glass is uh, is there. There's, uh, I guess, a lot of executives around that area driving Teslas, so they're not uncommon anymore. Mm-hmm. There's plenty of supercharging. There's there's plenty of infrastructure. So don't be afraid sure. of that. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I named off the mile, the range here, because if he's concerned about that, that's out the window. You need to go do ludicrous mode together. Take him to the showroom. <laughs> do it together. You're both laughing. You go to lunch. And then he goes yeah. back to the showroom and promptly leases one. And he might let you drive it. So Interesting. Well, you go. That, that, that is here in Corey's email is that he's hoping to help his boss buy two new cars. And then he's also under the impression from his boss that he will be allowed to drive these cars now and then. So we're kind of indirectly shopping for Corey, which I also find quite funny. <laughs> exactly. So, by the way, if you, if uh, <clears throat> to his dear boss, who might be listening, and if you haven't heard that part of the equation, Corey is also gunning for cars he wants to drive. So we'll be honest about that. <laughs> but but we are, we're coming out of E-Class Mercedes. So there's a certain level of German refinement, German design, German materials that we're dealing with. So I kept thinking about that in this equation. By the way, I have to stop again and just say, bravo. Those are two excellent sniper shots, neither of which I'd thought of. So I'm giving you kudos, Paul. Well done. Thank you. I thought of of a couple things in each category to drive. And I I will say on this two cars of the same type equation, it may be the situation where you still end up buying an E-Class. Okay. All right. You like E-Classes. I had this conversation back and forth with my mother-in-law a couple years ago where she wanted to replace an old Lexus LS she had, and I gave her three or four other things to drive. And she actually did listen, shockingly, drove them all, and considered everything we talked about a real contender, and then happened to find a screaming deal on a newer Lexus that was actually a deal better than the other cars she'd driven, and so she's back in another Lexus. So, you know, I don't <laughs> I don't think – if you have two E-classes in the garage right now, I think it might be a bridge too far to say you walk away from Mercedes entirely. So it may fall on deaf ears here to, to recommend other things. You may wind up in an E-class. Again, I would say to you if you do, get the E-class sedan and go somewhere else entirely for your convertible. Let's let's get you yeah, out of Mercedes yeah. for the convertible, but I am still going to give you three cars to drive as E Class alternatives. Even if you wind up in another E Class, I think you should drive the Acura RL. That is a forgotten car. That is Acura's flagship. It doesn't have the weird grill uh, problem necessarily that the TL has had. This is the car above the TL. And you've also said that, Corey, you said that your boss it actually kind of likes to buy used cars. Well, those cars, first off have trouble selling at MSRP because everybody forgets about them. I've heard of people getting screaming deals on Acura RLs. So then used, what's the used market for one? Not that great. That is a forgotten car with a good interior, great uh, reliability. So at least find and drive an Acura RL. You probably have never thought of it, but give it a drive. I'm going to say it. Drive the Lexus ES. That is the E-Class competitor from Lexus. An F-Sport version if possible. I think that car may surprise you. 
Uh, it obviously has the Japanese styling. You know, it's got the Predator Maw grill. It's got Japanese interior styling. It is a very different feel than your E-Class, but I think comparatively, you need to get into one of those, ideally the F-Sport version, because in that class of vehicle you're shopping, it's a, it's a genuine contender, so I think you need to drive that. And then I will also go to one of our standbys. Have you driven an E90 M3? Yeah, yeah. Because it's just, there's your V8 that you were talking about, Paul. That's V8 wonderfulness there with a real personality. The four-door E90 has space. It has personality. It can be subtle, and it can be a rocket ship. How do you want to drive it today? It does that wonderfully well. So I think that's out there. Um, so I think those are three cars to drive for sure as as comparative to your E-Class sedan right now and think, which do I like any of these better and what do I like and not like? And then I have two to drive on the convertibles. I love that F-Type hmm. idea, by the way. But the BMW 6 Series, I mean, I was shopping roughly 50 grand for each half of the equation. You would be shocked how many 6 Series from 2012 to 2014 are out there for 50 grand. 6 Series convertibles of all types, of all engine sizes, of all extras. 6 Series BMW is available at your price point. Give it a look. I think you really need to drive one of those. Uh, and then the other one that I think, look, please go drive it. I, I can't believe Paul didn't bring it up, but he did bring up the F-Type. The 991-911 in convertible has tons <laughs> of space. I actually, as much as I would, as I, I prefer the 997, the prior gen, the 991 has genuine space. The yeah, 991 does, convertible, I think you'd fit in that car. I think you'd be pleasantly surprised by it. Yes, fifty grand gets you into a used one of those as well. So totally, these are cars, yeah. I'm just saying across the board, you need to go drive them and see. I mean, my garage for you, if I had to, if I had to call it, I think you wind up with another E-Class sedan and you get the 911. But Paul's F-Type is compelling, I must say. And that S-Class, pardon me, the Tesla Model S, Paul, that is such a total curveball that you've thrown in. That could be a great one, too. I, I think there's great stuff here, Corey. Let us know what you and your boss end up thinking. Yep, send pictures of you guys grinning like idiots during the test drives. And, uh, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll be happy and uh, leave it at that. So both you guys, thanks for writing in. We really appreciate it. And uh, if you want to leave your own car debate and send your own debate to us, that's everydaydrivertv at gmail.com and our mm -hmm. website. You can find us on the website. A lot more folks are finding us there. Hope you're liking the articles yep. on there and uh, a lot more links to everything that uh, that is who we are. So go to the website, everydaydriver.com, and you can write to us there. And if you're so inclined, would you please rate and review the podcast? We hope you're entertained and uh, love to hear your thoughts, suggestions on all the social media. That's where we're asking questions now, and that's something we'll, mm -hmm. uh, we'll switch and transition to right now. But please leave us a rating, uh, if you would. That really helps us as we are moving to Velocity Channel for second quarter of 2017. We're really excited. It's a, it's a huge step for us. But your ratings and reviews continue to help us as we move forward with advertising. Definitely. And Definitely. Uh, it, it's really important for us. So we appreciate it. And um, just a reminder, putting that out there. Yeah, that's excellent. That's excellent. We have a absolute bombardment of, uh, of questions here on all the platforms. And uh, I, I grabbed a couple off of Facebook, and there's some off of Twitter that I grabbed as well. I'm, I'm very curious which one struck you. Uh, let's see, I have one that I wanted to jump into because I had two responses for it the minute I read it. Uh, okay. Ted, Adam, Ted Adam Green on Facebook wrote in and said, Is there a paint color that would keep you from taking a car for free? It's a car that, and, and, and he, he's even being, he's being sneaky about it. He's saying, you can't repaint it. You can't wrap it something else. That is now the color of your car. It's a car you like. It's a car we want to own. It's being given to us for free. But is there a color we would go, you know what? I'm sorry. I just can't take that. I thought of a color and then I went, no, no, no. I, I'll even get past that. And then I landed on one where I said, yeah, that's not going to work. Okay. Here, okay. Here's, here's my first color and it's not going to surprise you. I cannot stand silver cars. I, I can't. I just it, it it feels like you forgot to paint it. We built it. Don't we forgot to paint this. it. We it sold it to you. Me. I just, just I know because because you've owned silver cars. And you like silver cars. I just silver cars for me. I'm just silver gray. I'm just like I at this point it may not even be painted. It's just it, it, buy a car, especially if it gets into like sporty cars. 
sitting here going, get a color. Granted, I drive a ridiculous orange car because I'm a child. <laughs> so I, I, I know, I know. And I want, a, I want a lime green Lotus Elise because why wouldn't you get a lime green Lotus Elise? You know, right, so I mean, that, right. that's the thing. So I am a child, I will admit. But, the, but silver cars bug me. But then I went, you know what? There are plenty of cars. If you said you can have this for free and it's in silver, I'd say, okay, I'll take that car. But there is a color I don't understand, and that is brown. I'll just start with the Porsche brown. But there are <laughs> myriad of browns that anytime I see a car in brown, I just think, you paid money for brown. Brown. I, I yeah. have never seen yeah. a brown car that I thought, that color looks really good on that car. It's just, no. You want to give me a free brown 911? I'm sorry. It's Have you seen the color? It's brown. No, not doing it. I will take that free brown 911. I know I you will. I will happily re- Rechristen it coffee or mocha or <laughs> something like that. Yeah. It's no longer brown. It's candy it's, apple fish scale metallic coffee. It's it's diaper Latte. contents. That is the most family friendly way I could say that. It is diaper content color. <laughs> Latte. Yes. Think uh-huh. think delicious coffee. No. And I will take that in a heartbeat. I'd even take that on a Ferrari. I I would. I'd take metallic beige the most let's, champagne beige you can think of let's all imagine together a brown ferrari and then promptly attempt to wash our brains out with soap that's just somebody awful. send a us a picture of a brown ferrari, ferrari. A, oh. like a, a real one. Oh, the dinos the dinos uh were were brown that yeah, you could get this, brown on that car this isn't helping the story i'm not i'm not being swayed at all by brown i'm sorry <laughs> but yeah Thick chocolate. You love chocolate? <gasps> chocolate. I, chocolate is something I eat. It's not something I drive. That's that's chocolate just these are separate coffee. entities. No, I'm sorry. I don't I don't drink and coffee and I eat earth chocolate. Tones, brown fall is all colors. out. Ten minutes later, we're still talking about the fact that brown on a car is a car I wouldn't take. Do you have a color that I would, would that it. would actually take you away? I I I've even arrived at Mary Kay light dusty pink, and I'd still take a 911 in that color. <laughs> of course you would. I, I would. Of course you would. Oh, you know what? I just thought of another one. I just thought of another one. an actual factory color. Have okay. you seen the? I think you have. Have you seen the? I don't know another way to describe it. Caucasian flesh color that comes on Fiat 500s. Oh yes. Uh, well, hmm. It's it doesn't look good on the Fiat 500. It doesn't look good on anything. It doesn't look good on anything. I saw a 500X. I saw no, that's terrible. I saw a, it Crap. looks like an appendage. This color on a car looks like an appendage. <laughs> it's been lopped off of something. It's terrible. I saw a 500X in Park City this past week. 500X in that flesh color, and I, and I remember thinking, and I've seen the 500 in it a few times. I've actually there's one that lives in Park City. It's just a normal 500 in this color. I remember thinking, you went into a dealer. And you said, I'll take the flesh-colored one, thank you. Are you sure it wasn't a rental, though? Like the, 500X, the 500X was probably a rental. It probably was. But the, but the actual Fiat 500 I've seen in Park City is not a rental because I've seen it many, many, many times with the same driver. The 500X <laughs> was probably a rental because who, because who else gets the flesh-colored 500X? The rental company because nobody else wants it. But I just, what about a I Ferrari th- F12 oh. no, TDF I'm sorry. in that color? It's the color huh. of flesh. It's it's the worst. It looks like an appendage on wheels. It's just not right. <laughs> it's not right at all. I I I wear those glacier glasses with the little blinders on the side, so I wouldn't have to see the the extra paint color on the tops oh. of the doors, and I could just see the interior. I'd wear glacier glasses, and I'd still take it. I didn't actually think we'd get this much mileage out of this, but I think we could <laughs> we could have counter rants on this for the next hour. We should probably move on. All right, Patrick Lloyd writes to us on both uh, Instagram and Facebook. He's asking about the Singer-style build of a 912, so the four-cylinder variant, early yeah, early in yeah. the 911 shape uh, from the 60s. Mm-hmm. He's wondering about a heart transplant with the new 718 four-cylinder turbo engine in that car. I'm wondering, is that really awesome or is that sacrilege? I think it's awesome. I think it's amazing. And if Singer built a 912 now with that four-cylinder, because, of course, Porsche has now demonstrated they have four-cylinder flat fours in their lineage, in their history, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and it keeps the same. It it only gets sacrilege from me 
when it's a heart transplant of something else. I mean, I know the fly-in Miatas are cool. A different brand, sure. Yeah, I see The monster Miatas, the Coyote V8 in the Cayman, as cool as it sounds, I'm thinking, well, you can just bump up the horsepower of a flat-six engine and kind of do the same thing. You don't have sure. to put a V8 in, in the Cayman. And I just, I'm not all there. If it's a different motor in some other car, I know guys have done it for years. The Chevy once it jumps brands, the, yeah. Once it jumps brands, you struggle with it. Yeah, I see that. I struggle with yeah. it big time. But a, a brand new motor in that 912 and the way Singer does it, that car would be so sought after. And it would just wake it up. It'd be 350 horsepower in, you know, essentially the 911 shape. But you yeah. get the, the different sound, the heritage. You're looking forwards but looking backwards at the same time. I'd sign up if I had the money in a heartbeat. So for me, totally awesome. You could probably see that coming. I dreamed yeah. 928s with the like the Panamera <laughs> GTS V8 in it yeah. with a twin yeah, yeah. turbo V8. Yeah. Oh, 550 oh, horsepower mm-hmm. in a 928. Hello. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, man. That would be amazing. So for me, cool. The problem – the thing I like about this question is the fact that you are you are heart swapping a four cylinder in the Porsche lineup. That's cool. I mean, in that point, why not nine fourteen with that seven one eight motor? How nuts would that be? Think oh about gosh. that for a second. <laughs> that would be that. That would be that's the one I want now. If we're going to play in this world, that's the one I want. The problem that I have is if we reach a place where the nine twelves are now worth far more than they ever should, the world has officially <laughs> lost its mind. Because already the air-cooled 911s are worth way more than they should be. And if we, if they get worth so much that now it pulls the 912s up into a place where those are worth a lot of money, I we, we really have reached peak Porsche at that point, and we lost our mind. I Yeah, I can see that. Although I have noticed a dip because I, you know, I keep – Keep tabs on things here with uh, Porsche prices. Mm-hmm. And I've yep. noticed the late 80s Carrera turned into the Speedster with the chop-down windshield. Yeah, yeah, Those yeah. things a couple years ago were trading at, gosh, almost $300,000. And I've noticed mm. one here, same price for 160 So good news, everyone. You, too, can now afford an 89 Speedster from Porsche. It's just different levels of insane. That car's not – I'm sorry. That car's not worth that. It's not worth I agree. that. I agree. It's certainly but not worth they have 300, dropped. but 160 – okay, all right. Yeah, it's dropped from completely insane to only mostly insane. Excellent. Right. I guess that's a good step in the right direction. I had one from Simon on, uh, on Twitter. He actually wrote in and he said, uh, which, cars, uh, which car's current body style? Because, I mean, we, we talked about uh, – let me give it some perspective. We talked about the Prius and the Camry and other stylings that when they went to the latest styling, it got worse. The the uh, GT86, okay? The FRS becomes the GT86 and now has a catfish mouth. I still want to drive it and compare it to my car, but why did the styling get worse? So he's asking a question about what cars do we feel like in their current version are actually more attractive than the prior version because we talk a lot about the other direction where it's been getting worse. And I actually thought of one uh, right away, and that is, I know you don't necessarily agree with me on this, but I actually think the jump from the NC Miata to the ND Miata is a revolution in the right direction of styling. I don't dislike the NC. I think the ND is great looking. I prefer the NC to drive, but I think the ND is great looking car. I I don't. I'm not there. I, I know. I don't love the hot dog shapes all over the car, it feels like, and it's... It's okay. The NC is okay, but the ND has gotten very fussy and pinched where they started mm-hmm. with this clean shape and then intersected it with lighting technology that's too small for a too small car already. Yeah, and I, know. I know that bugs you. Yeah. Then the Fiat 124 kind of went the other way. I like the shape. I don't like the size of the headlights. I think they went too big mm. for the size of car that it is. So yeah. I, I like that they brought back sort of the more upright roadster feel to that front end, but it's an I think the lights are too suit, big. But yeah, I take your point. Okay. Yeah, kind of is. <laughs> and that's a good example of that car, actually. Um, what else? I want to stick to some styling questions here. From uh, Well, one's from Mike Batchelor here, our friend Mike. Okay. Hello, Mike. How are you? Yeah. Uh, he is asking us, what is our favorite and least favorite vehicle brand design signature styling items like the twin kidney grill of BMWs? That's a big thumbs up. The mm-hmm. portholes on the Buick. I really hate the portholes on the Maseratis. <laughs> I think it looks <laughs> yeah. like an Italian yeah. Buick. And yeah. the Levante has not changed my opinion. I just actually recently read a recall in the transmission for all the Levantes. 
and Whoa. deservedly so because those have been out for five Maserati, minutes. They've been out for ugh. five minutes. I just I, I know it's something different than a five series or a BMW or Mercedes, but they got to get better. They really do. I know I'm mixing my metaphors terribly here, and so I'm sorry, but that's almost like the car equivalent of the recent GoPro Karma drone. It's like we just barely started selling it, but no, 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 just kidding. Pull it back, pull it back. That's just <laughs> really. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. I just. I actually think the one of the ones that I want to that I want to call out is I actually think because they started a revolution in this, the Audi Grill. And when I say the Audi grill, I mean the Audi grill from the early 2000s. I feel like they led the charge on let's create a grill treatment that goes on every one of our cars that everybody knows instantly it's us. Now, mm-hmm. obviously, BMW has the kidney grill, but the kidney grill keeps kind of changing sizes. And it cha- if, if you look at them a lot of side by side, look at our icon film. It's, it's morphing a little bit. They keep kind of altering their size and the, and the way the corners round, it keeps changing. Audi just decided to settle on a grill shape, and they keep refining that minimally. I think they did that best, and now every other car maker has gone, we need a signature grill shape. And and a lot of them have tried, and many of them have failed, even though the Audi one now could double as like a heat shield on the front of a train. I mean, they're just enormous. <laughs> or, or cattle guard, I should say. Seriously, I mean, yeah, they could be a- cattle guards. They, they really could be. But so they, even though they've gotten too big, I think that is something, certainly in the early 2000s, Audi did fantastically well and, and as a result shaped the industry. So that's definitely one I want to call out. Agreed. And Stephen Banks' question is adding to this this discussion as well. He's asking why is Toyota going so aggressive with their styling? They have ruined the Prius, and now the Camry has the same treatment. Well, that, of <laughs> course, Stephen carries the implication that the Prius started life good-looking, which I can't agree with. But you're right. They've just gone crazy. I will say, you know, in, in reference to your, you know, Audi grill, what signature item is Toyota? What is the front grill mm. shape that pops into your mind or a signature element that is distinctly Toyota? Mm-hmm. I maintain they don't have one. Even yeah. Nissan has started poorly and kind of finishing <laughs> strong right now with their future portfolio. Yeah. And I think Nissan is finally finding their new future voice here, their new future look. I yeah. mean, the yeah. tiger nose on the Kias, that's actually really working. That is working. Uh, I agree with that, yeah. What is Toyota? What is a Toyota look? The problem is it can be anything and everything. And so, well, let's just try this. Well, in the next generation, let's try something different. Let's just try this. And that's yeah. the problem. That's They've gone super aggressive, and I think they're going to have to back it off. Look at the new Kia Stinger. Everybody's raving about this car. It keeps that signature Kia grill, and it it doesn't necessarily look what Kia has established prior, Yeah. but it's not out of the ballpark. And true, so everybody true. is loving them for this. They've stayed within their proportions and kind of their brand look, yeah, but they've yeah. they've done something here. And I, I maintain Toyota has not. They're lost in the woods. Well, I would say Toyota, GM, Ford, they all struggle with a similar reality, and that is their portfolio of cars they offer is so broad that they haven't landed on a shape that is universal enough. I mean, BMW, as weird and niche as their portfolio has become, they've kind of designed all of their cars around those signature shapes, the, the Hoffmeister kink and the kidney grill. I mean, those are things that from the, the moment we sit down to draw, to, to, to draw the new hyper-niche GT version of the 4 Series Grand Coupe, they're probably working on that car. They, they at least are trying to incorporate those <laughs> elements, okay? But whereas Chevrolet, everything from tiny little... Uh, you know, tiny little Iveo style uh, mini compacts to enormous trucks. How do you carry over one grill from all of those? I mean, you see how much struggle Lexus is having putting that Predator Maw on everything. And Audi, you know, as I'm talking about their grill getting big, it's a little too big for things like the A3. It just kind of dwarfs that car. But that portfolio is so much smaller than the Chevys, the the Toyotas, and the Fords of the world. It's tough to create one front end that will, you know, one one front end applies to everything. It that's a real problem. Yeah, agreed. And a lot of your questions here, everyone, are kind of along those lines. You're you're starting to notice styling more and how that is uh, appealing or not appealing to you. Mm. I'm really loving that. I'm I'm enjoying the discussion that we're generating here, and it's it's getting you saying, you know, what about that car is, you know, that signature. I mean. Even Porsches, what is, you know, what is a Porsche signature element? Well, it's the shapes. 
the the surface treatment because yeah. Yeah. the grills are nothing to speak of. Look at the yeah. front grills. They're not a particular, wow, that's a real Porsche grill. I, I, there is none, really. It's like but it's lighting shape and it's, and it's fender shape. It's lighting and fender shape is the biggest exactly. thing that they do across the board. That's a great point. Yeah, exactly. So therefore, I feel more timeless. They don't have to, you know, create more scallops or undulating surfaces or intersecting surfaces. They can just start with these beautiful fender flares and mm-hmm. you know let the rest of the car build itself. And I think that's what's what's made it so successful. Of course, me waving the Porsche flag again. Nobody's surprised. Wow. Yeah, there's there's crickets in the surprise category on that one. Yeah, I hear you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, we've had some questions on Twitter as well about the new Civic Hatch manual from Biasio, I think. Uh, he is asking us about the Civic Hatch manual and saying it'll probably give us the Mazda 3 a run for its money. I'm wondering if it gives the Hyundai N performance versions a run for its money. Mm. Or mm. maybe the Hyundai's given the Civic the, the same treatment there. I'm really eager to drive that new Civic. We're, we're yeah. really wanting to get into that Type R, of course, and uh, even the SI will be probably pretty interesting. But uh, yeah, interesting question. It's it's good to keep thinking about that because I'm all for uh, for the souped up versions of these cars that you know are inexpensive and still stay kind of inexpensive here. Problem with yeah, Mazda I mean, is Mazda speed has gone away. So yeah, yeah. I mean, I'd love for them that that Mazda three current Mazda three is crying out for a performance version in the same way that the Chevy Cruze is crying out for one. And yet, neither of those manufacturers are making any suggestion that they'll make a high performance of either one. And I think that's a massively missed opportunity. But of course, we are you know we and I say we as in, as enthusiasts are kind of a dying breed as far as the car companies are concerned. That actually leads to a question that was in here, uh, Zacchaeus wrote into us on Facebook and said, do we think the enthusiast car will die die off due to self-driving cars and uh, and all of everything going autonomous? I'm going to say to you, no, I don't think so. I think what's going to happen is variations of what Paul even suggested tonight for Corey's boss. I think we're going to wind up with how you have a pod that you travel in. Let, let's And this is me assuming, and I think we're honestly... 30 to 50 years away before this becomes kind of ubiquitous. But let's say you will have a pod that you will travel around in if you're a car enthusiast. Does that, is that, do you own it? Do you ride share it? I, I don't have an answer there, but there will be that car. But then if you're a genuine car enthusiast, just like we've joked about what happened with horses, I think you will have parked next to that pod your fill in the blank car that is your gas car or maybe it's an electric car but it's a car that requires you to drive it and you're a car enthusiast and you drive it for fun and fun only and i actually wonder if there will be a scenario where you know you have most of the highways are almost entirely autonomous vehicles but the little back b road things are almost entirely self-driven cars i wonder if they're going to even cordon off the world like that i think it becomes your alternative piece of gear and that's how it survives you know, I even heard an argument one time for, uh, you know, in favor of restoration and restoring cars and, you know, people saying, well, those old engines, they pollute, they smoke, you know, all that stuff. They burn gasoline way too much, all that stuff. But mm-hmm. the argument was because you're restoring it, therefore you're not sending all that stuff to the landfill. You're actually keeping hmm. it running. And I think, you know, those the auction houses are just going to increase in activity as the cars that are our favorites now, you know, as you said, 30 years from now, we're, yeah. we're doing the ride share. We're Ubering and lifting and autonomous pods that might look cool, might not. But, you know, that one special car that we've got. That's our thing. That's that's the uh, that's the outlet there, and it's, and I do. It's see the that horse in the stable. I mean, it's the horse in the stable. It's it's really, that, 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 I hate beating on that analogy, but it is the one that works the best. I mean, that is where we're headed. I live in an area where some of my neighbors have tons of land and have horses, and they don't ride those horses that much. I know that because I watch them walk around in the pasture most of the time, and every now and then it's like, oh, that one's gone, and it's <laughs> and rare. Eat. And exactly. cost them money. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but I think but that is I think where we're headed, where you've got a car that is as if it were your horse and you, you drive it, you know, once a month, but you love it and you can't imagine getting rid of it. And all of your neighbors are like, That guy owns a car. Can you believe it? You know, there will be those people. <laughs> and I will probably be one of them. Yeah, I, I admit, yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. Well, uh, what else? Anything else? I've got one left uh, as we're wrapping up here. But, yeah, do, uh, do one more, and sure. then we'll call it for sure. Well, Devin Bain is asking us, why do SUVs have to be so terrible? Why do they suck so much? <laughs> and besides the Cayenne, you know, what SUV is out there that it's enjoyable to drive? Well, I will answer that question by saying Todd and I are looking to find out. We're going to be doing some expansive, more uh, expanding into the SUVs, specifically mm. the smaller category that just seems yeah, to be the little five taking seaters, yeah. every business model over by every company on the planet. Yeah. And we kind of want to find that out, too, because that's a reality in our lives. Todd's got a Cayenne. I've got a Grand Cherokee. Yeah. I've kind of thought maybe I could go smaller. I just I wanted a Jeep, but maybe I could yeah. get away with something smaller here. So we're going to be looking to find out. There are a lot of things that are on our list, and we're going to be trying to get into some of those, like the GLAs, you know, that sort of thing. But um, Devin, to, yeah. to speak directly to your question, I mean, the biggest problem that it, that that is faced here is the same reason I, I got to go ahead and pick on them. The same reason mi minivans suck, the, and we're talking about these as drivers' cars. They're they're perfect for utility. That's the greatest thing about a minivan on the planet. I mean, just what do you want to put in it? How easy do you want to make it make it work? That's fine, but the problem is that these utility vehicles of any kind. By their nature, they become large and they become heavy. And in the case of an SUV, their center of gravity comes up off the pavement. I have just pretty much given you the please don't do these things list for performance driving. Those cars, <laughs> right. like, I mean, I, hey, the X5M feels like it's defying all everything that it should feel like when you drive it. That's a great track car, shockingly, in the same way that the Cayenne is. <laughs> it, you can't get away right. from the fact that it still is a right. huge, heavy high center of gravity vehicle, but these are the problems that keep the car from feeling uh, feeling fun to drive or driver engaging because it's just, it's isolating you and pulling you up off the pavement. It's the exact opposite, I'm sorry I have to go there, as the Lotus Elise model. What is that car? It's tiny, it's low to the ground, and it weighs nothing. Feels fun to drive. Put that next to your 6,000-pound SUV that's eight inches off the pavement, guess what? Not going to feel as fun. That's the problem. Yep. Yep, agreed. I mean, we don't have to expect our SUVs to, you know, do the things a car can do because utility. But, yeah, center of gravity, all those things, it's a trade-off. And then yeah. I want to yeah, find definitely. out what's the what's the middle ground? What's one that we can say, you know what? Mm -hmm. If you had to mm -hmm. have one car, it would be blank. I'm sure. curious. Sure, yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. So mega thanks and massive effort on the questions, everyone. Uh, yes, we're doing it all on Twitter, Instagram here as well. And Facebook, of course, and we're loving the questions, really loving the interaction here. And also thanks to Mac and Corey for uh, for the great debate. Very entertaining. Yes. <laughs> this was a lot of fun. Uh, so we will leave things there for now and say thank you again very much. And in the meantime, thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. Cheers. Cheers.